the name is Benchalia. John Benchalia, the world's worst ever Sean Connery impersonator with a license to kill with his terrible jokes. And he's also the host of a Perpetual Outsider podcast as well. Apologies for that. Uh, my name is John Bensalia, as, uh, as Sean rightly said. And today I am looking at not a James Bond episode. Well, it is It is in a way. We're actually going back in time to 1984 to have a look at a 3 to one episode with the theme, My Word is My Bond. So without further ado, let's get on with it and have a look at it. Starting up right now. Now, for those of you who don't know what 321 is, uh, well, first of all, um, 321 is something of a guilty pleasure, I've got to admit. It has, it's, um, for those of you who don't know, it was a game show in the, uh, the late 70s and most of the 80s as well. And um, it was, um, yeah, it, it's become something of a guilty pleasure because. You know, it's been criticised by, you know, various, you know, sort of TV experts and commentators and, you know, reviewers as well. You know, who've latched on to the fact that, you know, um, the clues the clues don't make any sense. You, you know, some dodgy jokes and, uh, um, you know, I, I suppose to be fair, various, you know, things which, which wouldn't be very acceptable today PC-wise. And that sort of thing. And, you know, the, the list goes on. The list goes on and on and on as to why people don't like 3 one But me, personally, I, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a soft spot for it. You know, partly because of nostalgia and um, partly because I actually think it was a well-executed, not, not just a game show, but a variety show as well. And, uh, yeah, okay, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the jokes are dodgy, to be fair, and in places... Not much cop, but in terms of enjoyment, I think it's something that is actually seriously lacking from TV these days. Um, these days, it's just you know, it's either the chase, which you know, boring, or you know, stuff like the X Factor, Britain's Got Talent. It's all about um, just tedious variety shows and um, Simon Cow doing his mess best. Mr. Black from The Simpsons voice to criticise uh, acts that he doesn't like or he thinks that won't make him any money. So I think I think three, two, one is um, it, it's a breath of fresh air. I think you know for me anyway. I'm, I'm sure millions will be horrified at that, but you know my podcast, my mood. And I just remember really enjoying it as a kid. It would be on it would be on Saturday nights. Um, it started off on Friday nights. Um, in the late 70s, and then it moved to the Saturdays when they realised that it had become more popular. Um, and it was great. And, it, you know, for a little kid watching this, it had everything you could want. It had, you know, a quiz. It had, you know, a little bit of variety. It had big, big prizes. Well, back then it was, you know, big, big prizes, you know, to a little kid anyway. So, oh, my God, look, it's a great big car. And, and I think that was a part of its appeal for me, you know, because it, it had so much. And it was just, I suppose, you know, you had to be there. I think, you know, in the, in the days before streaming and in the days before, you know, there's so many channels to choose from. You know, there, there were only, you know, you know, by 1984, there were only four four channels to choose from, which is uh, which is not a great deal. So I, I suppose that, you know, they 
you know, TV companies just had to think that much harder, you know, to come up with, um, um, you know, ways of entertaining the audience on the Saturday night, who, you know, if, if they weren't going out clubbing or pubbing or whatever. And I, I think three to one was actually a huge success. It would be pulling in millions of viewers. By the time it finished in 1988, it was was still getting about 12 million viewers, which is a huge amount, especially, you know, especially in the ratings-driven late 80s. You know, I I think many programmes these days actually would kill to have those ratings. You know, 12 million viewers can't be bad. Um, And I think they, you know... I, th- I think the new breed of um, TV producers just just didn't want it. Basically, I think they felt that it was old hat, and I think they felt that it, had, you know, run its course. Um, you know, I, I think TV was kind of moving towards more kind of trendy, you know, um, you know, sort of uh, what's the word? I, I suppose it was, you know, they were catering towards more, you know, sort of youth, you know, youth audience. You know, I think. Um, and I, th- I think they felt three to one just couldn't really keep up with the times, um, which which I think was a bit, you know, was a shame because you know if you if your TV show is doing really well, then you know why get rid of it? But but uh, there you go. But three to one. Um, returning to my original long, you know, my long winded answers. Um, what was three to one? Well, it was um, it was an all in one show because you combine a quiz show. A variety show and and also you know sort of a prize show, you know a game show where you could win the various prizes and the way it works is um you would get um you would whittle down three sets of contestants three couples down to one so you're playing on that um and also the fact that it was kind of like three games in one you know you had the uh, the quiz you had the um the prizes and you also had the uh, the variety act as well so it was basically three things at once that was playing in that and the idea actually came from spain there was um the variant there began in 1972 with a show called uh andos tres and apparently this this was just as big news and the a variant of it would be exported not just not just here in the U, in in Britain, but all around the world as well. I think there are you know there are other three two ones you know around the world. But um, the idea came in 1978. It arrived here. Three two one arrived in 1978, and it began quite modestly on the on a Friday night in the summer. I mean, you know, it, it began in July 29th, 1978, which is a which is a graveyard slot. Really. It's, you know, summertime is when everybody is out. And of course, when you launch a new programme, you know, it's traditionally, um, you know, in the autumn or the winter, you know, that's that's your kind of prime prime time for actually um, launching a new programme. So I guess that this was just kind of originally conceived as a bit of kind of summertime filler. But in actual fact, it, it did phenomenally well. And, it, you know, and the ratings, you know, grew and grew and grew. And for a brief moment, it would actually, um, you know, it was on Saturday nights, but then they had to move it back to Friday nights because, you know, maybe they felt that it wasn't, you know, you know, they, they were making way for the big, uh, big autumn programmes of 1978, which I think included um, the new Bruce Forsyth, which was Bruce Forsyth's big night. 
And but over time, it became hugely popular. And I think on the strength of that first um, that first show, the success of that first uh, first run of three, two, one, they actually moved. Um, they actually began filming quite quite soon after. I think in um, in the early summer of nineteen seventy nine. And uh, it was actually one of the stockpile of uh, of programs that had been recorded ready, uh, because uh, ITV was actually taken off for a strike in um, I think I think it's like August nineteen seventy nine. You know there was like a it, the strike lasted for about two months. Um, when when they when ITV came back in October October twenty fourth nineteen seventy nine, it was you know it was launched with three two one. Not just because they stockpiled the programs, but because um, they'd, you know, it, it was it had already created quite an impact, and for very it just grew and grew. I think. And by nineteen eighty four, it had, um, you know, it had gone back to Saturdays again, and uh, um, it was traditionally, I think, in uh, early. Uh, it was in the early part of the year. This one comes from the eighteenth of February. Um, but and by then, you know, they kind of changed the format around a little. But you know, the you know the the, the main kind of um, structure of the show remained the same. So here you've got um, each of the three couples having to alternately answer, you know, quite you know um, questions. Um, they have to give um, ten answers, and you play for a pound an answer, and then you do that three times, and he. Um, and depending on how much you get, you can actually earn up to a thousand pounds in the first round, which which in those days was a fortune, absolute fortune. I mean, don't forget, you know, a thousand pounds these days may may not seem like anything, but in 1984 that was a heck of a lot of money. So the way it works is each can they they uh, they alternate between the couples. You know, the the woman goes first, then the man after. And they each have to name. I'm not sure what they're. I'm talking all over the action here, but uh, <laughs> I can't hear it. What are they going on about? Um, but yeah, very simple. You know, very simple questions like you know, name um, uh, name something beginning with M E or you know whatever. You know, first two letters of a of a word, and they each have to give an answer with um, with a host Ted Rogers providing a clue, and then they have to answer that or you know answer you know films you know James Bond films or pop songs, pop acts, you know, geographical countries, you know, you know, the list goes on. And they'd each have to do that. And whoever gets the lowest gets uh, gets knocked out in this uh, in this round. In the early days, it was completely different. The the winner would actually not not get to take part in the the main part of the show. They'd actually come back next week to actually earn more money. But they only did that for the first series, which is probably a good decision, actually, because it didn't really work. <laughs> So we've got, um, of course, I haven't talked about the host um, and the hostess as well. Ted Rogers, I, I think an, an excellent host. What I like about Ted Rogers is that he doesn't he doesn't try and belittle the contestants. He doesn't deliberately make fun of them or you know humiliate them. He actually he actually really he actually really wants to see them do well. And he's always d delighted when they win the star prize of a car or holiday or whatever, and seems you know quite genuinely crestfallen when they all they walk away when they walk away with um, the dub the booby prize of the bin, which is um, 
which is um the way which is what happens in the um the second part of the show they actually played for four good prizes and the booby prize of a brand new dustbin but ted rogers really really is a good rapport with the contestants i think he you know he's he's a good entertainer a good host um and yeah underrated i think i i, I think he i think he was a damn good host i mean it's not easy to you know, to keep the patter going between the, you know, between the action and, uh, yeah, okay, some of his jokes were a bit cheesy and a bit naff, but overall, I, I think he was a likeable, decent host, and I, I think that comes through very well in uh, in these shows. And his hostess by this point was Caroline Monroe, and the first of many James Bond uh, names in this in this episode. Actually, she was in uh, Spy Who Loved Me. 1977. I think it's a spy who loved me. I, th I think so. Anyway, from what I remember, I think she got her character got. She was like a femme fatale who, um, who was, of course, working against James Bond. And uh, from what I remember, she got blown up in a helicopter. But uh, for, off, off, uh, off the top of my head, anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long time since I've seen the, uh, the spy who loved me. Um, but yeah, they they have various uh, different hostesses over the years. They started out with um, half a dozen uh, hostesses who were called the Gentle Sex S E C S. They were you know they were made to look up like secretaries with these great big Sue Pollard glasses, these hideous Sue Pollard glasses, and they were dressed up like secretaries for some odd reason. And they did that for the first couple of series. Then they had uh they had a tree i think there was um libby roberts fiona curzon alison temple savage i think and then by 1984 it would be caroline monroe and she would be joined by linda lee lewis for uh for the later part of the run and then linda lee lewis took over for the last series i think So yeah, here they're, they're answering questions. Um, they've got to answer questions of words that begin with CR. And so you've just had like a, a baby's, you know, baby's cradle, which is a crib, and a large group of people, which is a crowd. And um, yes, being nineteen eighty four, some of the fashions and hairdos are uh, <laughs> a little bit dated. You've got a guy in a must mustard uh, jumper and uh, mullet hair. Ted rocking it in the uh, the nineteen eighties power suit <laughs> with what looks like a licorice all sort of tire. I mean, the, the lowest couple, the, the lowest scoring couple, have got three hundred and fifty quid, which, um, in modern day terms, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I'm not very good with inflation and stuff, but uh, and the winners have got six hundred and forty quid, which um, these days would probably be quite a modest fortune. I think. So they now have to say goodbye to the, the first couple um, who get a ceramic dusty bin, which I'm told is uh, worth quite a fair bit on eBay. So if by some vast miracle you happen to have a very limited edition ceramic toy dusty bin, who is the the mascot for the show, I should have mentioned, actually. Uh, dusty bin is uh, this um, this kind of cartoon character who's like the uh, the main icon of 3-2-1. 
And uh, yeah, you, you, he he came on as the uh, he was like this little animatronic robot who came on, and, uh, and you know he was uh, everybody thought they'd be winning him, but actually they didn't. They just won a brand new dustbin. And um, in in fact, um, you know it, it was um, it was like the the mo one of the most memorable aspects of three one, I think. So uh, yeah, if, if you've got a ceramic dusty bin. Hang on to it because, um, you know, it could be worth a lot of money. And certainly don't take it to Dickinson's real deal because you'd probably get absolutely, you know, stingy offer. <laughs> so every week in 321, they would come up with a particular theme. And th this could be anything. It could be to do with the 1920s. It could be to do with 60s pop music um, or a play, a, you know, kind of like a five-act play which they would do. And this is what we're getting this week with My Word is My Bond, which is a play on, um, you know, the, the James Bond movies, you know, because James Bond, you know, was and still is, you know, you know, big news, hot property. Um, and they get, you know, they do these rather sort of lightweight skits and they'd invite special guests. And actually a lot of them have been in um, James Bond movies. Excuse me, you've got here. Um, James Villiers, who was uh, in For Your Eyes Only, actually, he was uh, as Bill, Bill Tanner, I think. And he, he's here with Robin Parkinson and Chris Emmett. Chris Emmett was one of the mainstays of uh, of 3 one actually. He was, um, you know, he, he used to be kind of like one of the, the semi-regulars of the show in, uh, in in most of the show, actually. I, th I think he didn't feature so much in the later movies. Um what the the way it would work in the early days is they'd have what they call the disrepertory, and there would be Chris Emmett and there would be other other um, other members of the company as well, and they kind of alternated between these. They had the likes of uh, Dougie Brown, Bernie Clifton, Debbie Arnold, I think, and Mike Newman. Mike Newman would go on to uh, to appear with Chris Emmett in quite a lot of the three two one shows. They you know they crop up you know doing little comedy sketches. Um, and uh, yeah, here is Chris Emmett playing rather iffy looking hotel receptionist. <laughs> I'm quite sure why. Yeah, yeah, oh, quite a you know, Ted Rogers sadly no, no longer with us, but um, yes, as far as I know, Chris Emmett is still, is still with us, I think. And we've just seen Brian Coburn come on. Uh, and he was in the uh, the recently released, well, then recently released Octopussy, which had just come out in uh, 1983, the year before. I'm not sure when it was fit. This episode of Three Two One was filmed. I think they tended to work. Uh, they tended to film about film it about three months in advance. So you're looking at you know November December time recording for this, or maybe even early early January 1984. I don't know. Who knows? Answers on the postcard, please. And here you got Robin Parkinson, better known to a lower low fans um, as uh, I think he played Leclerc, the second Leclerc after the original actor Jack Hayde passed away. And sadly, Robin Parkinson very recently passed away. And here you've got the the main guest star, which is Don Estelle, who is playing the James Bond in this case. <laughs> And Don is still, of course, who played Lofty in It Ain't Half Hot One. So here we go with the 
Um, the prize table and what they do, each of the characters, um, you've got five, they're playing for five clues. And a member of uh, somebody from the previous sketch will come and leave a clue, uh, what they call a MacGuffin, actually, which, which could be anything. And they then read a rhyme. And Brian Coburn is first up with a reel of microfilm. And the clue is, gee, it's in the alley. Don't wave goodbye, but dally. Now, can you work out what that is? Oh, somebody, one of, the, one of the two couples has worked it out, they think. And I've got to admit, I can't figure out the clues. You need, you need about 10,000 university degrees to actually work out what the hell the clues are about, because more often than not, they are completely obscure. But I suppose when you, when you actually work them out, I suppose, you know, they do make a kind of tenuous sense. I don't know. But um, each of the couples, are, there's now two couples because the, uh, the first lot have been knocked out. Now back to the action where James Villiers is uh, um, bringing Robin Parkinson around. I'm not quite sure why. It's probably, maybe he's in shock at the, you know, seeing Lofty from It Ain't Half Hot Mum. Yeah, Don, Don is still by this point. He, I, I don't think he was quite as uh, um, big a face as he was on TV as he was in the 70s because he, he made quite a name for himself as Lofty in It Ain't Half Hot Mum. Um, and he, he, to the point where he actually had a hit, number one hit with Whispering Grass with Winter Davis. He's actually, he's actually you know, good singer, good vocals on that. And by this point, he was, you know, he, uh, I, I think his hit-making days were over. I think he, when he comes on later, he actually tries to promote his latest record, which uh, did not set the charts alight, unfortunately. Yeah, a bit, a bit of a, you know, it's a little bit sad, really, how, you know, so many of, you know, these familiar faces on TV just kind of fade away. Um, Don still actually wrote an autobiography called... Um, Seen lofty thoughts of a Gemini, I guess it's star sign. And um, ac according to the book, he, um, you know, he was, you know, a little bit bitter about the then, um, you know, the uh, the entertainment big cheeses of the, you know, the eighties and the nineties. You know, they were looking for, you know, kind of, you know, I suppose more trendy, youth oriented, you know, people to appear on the shows. You know, there's tales of him, you know, sort of, you know, appearing in shopping malls and um, in in his lofty outfit and selling, you know, cassettes of his work, which is, yeah, it's uh, it's a fickle old world, you know, the the world of fame. You know, one minute, you, you know, you 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 must make uh, the most of your time in the limelight. Otherwise, you know, one minute you're here, you know, the next day you're you're old news. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot, a lot of heightest jokes, because for those who don't know, Don Estelle was not the tallest man. I think, I think um, he was pushing five foot tall, um, if that. And, uh, of course, they're making some of the heightest jokes, which uh, which I'm sure would not go down very well today, <laughs> to be honest. Um, they, they did repeat 3-2-1 on, um, on Challenge TV. 
um, actually not that long ago, I think about 2010, from what I remember. These days, Challenge TV just seems to repeat the chase on a loop. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that age old by now perpetual insider argument of uh, why TV companies just can't be bothered with uh, more varied, more varied repeat schedules. But um, yeah, there's only so so many times that you can watch the chase in there and not be bored. I'm, I'm bored already. Anyway, here's Robin Parkinson. Um, what's he leaving? He's leaving a passport. So what is Robin Parkinson's clue going to be? Here it comes. Half the clue is here. None left. Then you cheer. Ooh, what could that be? Passport. Passport. So we've now got the microfilm and we've got a passport. Is one of those dusty bin? Because that would be the main exercise of the uh, of the pro of the shows to actually, you know, pick which clues dusty bin, get rid of it, and then go home with a reasonably good prize. I mean, I, I don't know about prizes these days. I think uh, they they probably look a bit clunky to modern day eyes, but I. Yeah, you've got quite a few um, three, two, one, uh, uh, sorry, quite a few James Bond uh, links with this uh, this episode. And uh, yeah, James Villiers was uh, very good in Fiori's only, actually. He's back here. To my knowledge, Don Estelle was not in James Bond. I, I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe he uh, maybe he appeared with uh, without me realising. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I've, I've, I've got to say, one of the things I, I like about 321 is it's, you know, then it's actually quite big budget. You know, they, they really go to town on all the, you know, set designs and the, uh, you know, the, the whole look of the show is actually, you know, quite, you know, today it probably looked quite downright. But back then, you know, to a kid watching it, it was actually quite big scale. And, um, you know, and, you know, it, it looked visually quite impressive. They're playing on the very obvious, you know, sort of femme fatale, Russian fatale here. Uh, I think we're about to see Jenny Lee Wright, um, who was uh, who was an actress um, uh, back in the seventies and eighties, and also a hostess. And she was um, she famously appeared with Benny Hill as one of uh, his female stooges, and she she would also deputise for um, Anthea Redfern in the Generation Game when um, Anthea was uh, uh, just had just given birth to her, her daughter Louisa. She appeared in uh, November 1977 as a temporary host. Yeah, here she comes now. And um, she didn't actually have any credits with James Bond as an actress uh, until I read that she actually became a, what they call a Foley artist, which is, you know, doing all, all the sound effects, you know, like walking up and down stairs or, you know, sort of footprints or, you know, various noises, rustling paper, you know, sort of sound effects. And she actually worked in Die Another Day. So there you go. You've got, got another link. So James Villiers has now come to the table with uh, with another clue. And he's... Are they going to talk about, you know, 
whether they're appearing in Panto or what show they're coming up. Um, must be pretty difficult if you're recording a Christmas show. And I think they used to record that, you know, the Christmas shows in August. So you had to kind of pretend that it was actually... Uh... Um, now, what has uh, James Villiers left? Double O or Double Vision, Eight Cats, Aid Decision. That is the clue that James Villiers has bought. He's got a license. Uh, I wonder what that could be. I'm thinking it's a TV or something to do with a TV anyway. So it's the big decision. Each of you, you've got Mick and Sue here uh, against Man in the Mustard Jumper. I don't know. I haven't seen his name. Well, I have seen his name, but I haven't really been looking closely. I need new contact links, actually. So Ted can read one of the, the two older clues just to refresh their memories. And each of the couples has to now pick one of the clues that they want to get rid of. They have to reject a clue. In the in the big hope that it's dusty bin, yeah, Ray and what's that? What's the lady called? I don't know. They have a close up in it. They they probably won't have a close up. And of course, they they can pick one clue, but only one couple can go through. So they have a elimination question. Uh, what what? Lucille is that? I think the lady's called Lucille. Sorry, and. They, yeah, each of the couples has to do an elimination question in order to progress to the final bit. Chance to go. And I think off the top of my head, there was a classic one where um, Ted Rogers was asking about um, the composer of Handel's Water Music. And um, I th I, from what I remember, the, uh, the guy who pressed the buzzer said, Beethoven. <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you keep a straight face with that? And not surprisingly, um, that contestant actually did get it right, but uh, unfortunately went on to win the bid. So I don't really think they were ideal candidates. And Mick and Sue have got it right. They are tonight's winners. Oh, handshakes. You don't really get that these days. I mean, whenever you get contestants on stuff like Big Brother or whatever, you know, they're always backstabbing rather than, you know, a rather polite handshake and a, and a peck on the cheek. But never mind, Ray Lucille, you get 500 quid and a ceramic dusty bin. And I think they're about to get a consolation prize as well. They often give consolation prizes away. What have they got tonight? An electronic telephone, which has a range of 300 yards, and these days would be laughed at. Uh, <laughs> it's a, about the size of a breeze block. <laughs> but back, back then it was state of the art. Oh, dear. I do, I do wonder what sort of prizes that they'd have these days. On uh, if, if they ever brought 321 back, I do, I do wonder what they'd have. You know, you get you know the latest mobile phone which would be the size of a, you know, a stamp, I think, probably. So, Mick and Sue have won another, won, uh, won the day, and they're about to go on to the next round, and uh, we'll see what it is they've rejected. I think they... Um, did Tim will just, just trip over there? I think he just tri tripped over a carpet and said... <laughs> Quite audibly, uh, 
I, th- I think he quite audibly swore. <laughs> oh, the day. Well, I, th- this wasn't live TV, but this was in the days when um, the, it was recorded as live TV. So, you know, you, you couldn't afford to make a mistake or, you know, or literally trip up like Ted Rogers nearly did there. Um, <laughs> you couldn't really take it. So here we go. They've rejected uh, the Brian Coburn Prize microphone. And they've actually rejected a microwave oven. And, oh, my God, what looks like an entire kitchenware section of um, of an electronics store. What have they got? They've got a microwave, which... What else have they got? Tea maker, you've got. Um, can opener. Woo! Food mixer and a and a portable radio as well, so you can listen to it while you're doing your cooking in the kitchen. I mean, I've I, I mean I've where I live, I've got an open pan kitchen, so I, you know it's not separate enough, which can be. Uh, I, I can I, I can just listen to me iPod or, or the stereo. But so, yeah, a good prize, not the bin. So we're back to the action with uh, Don is still in a very ill-fitting tuxedo and suit um, about to try and chat up Jenny Lee Wright's Femme Fatale. <laughs> actually, you know, actually Don is still does, does do well as kind of like the comedy, uh, the comedy stooge. You know, he's taking... But so, yeah, out of the out of the guest um, cast, I think you know Jenny Lee Wright is still with us, and so is Chris Emmett. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, Doc Don is still passed away. I think two thousand and three. I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really sure whether. Whether three two one would really work if they brought it back, I, I think. I, I think the potential is there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, because you know there are quite you know quite a few people that you know aren't really some you know aren't really fans that much. I'm not really quite sure whether it would get the audience, but with a bit of creative thinking, of you know a bit of inspiration, maybe, maybe it could work if they if they brought back you know some. You know, Monday, Monday acts and, you know, musicians, performers, comedians, that sort of thing. It, it could possibly work quite well. Um, by, the t- by the time that 321 was on its last series, they, they didn't really kind of have the comedy skits anymore uh, or the specific themes. It was more kind of like a general potluck deal. And they, they just bring on, you know, sort of random guests. Uh, you know, sort of singers and comedians and that sort of thing, and you know, uh, ma- you know, Magic Hats was a popular one as well, actually. Um, but yeah, if, if if they did it like that, I mean, there's there's no reason why why it couldn't work. As to who would host the show, um, I I don't know who would work. I mean, it'd probably be Bradley Walsh, no doubt. Who to, to be fair would probably make uh, make quite a good job of that. I, I don't know.
I mean, it'd be certainly preferable to, you know, Britain's Got Talent or whatever other Simon Cow vehicle they come up with. I don't, I don't know. Does Simon vehicle? Does uh, Simon vehicle? God. I actually didn't put the brain in this morning, so it's not connecting to my mouth. <laughs> yeah, Simon Cow. I, I don't know if he still dominates the Saturday schedules these days. So Jenny Lee Wright is up next with a clue of a, of a bottle. And Mickey's kind of uh, <laughs> pulling funny faces at Jenny Lee Wright. Also, have to you know sort of uh, promote promote each of their uh, uh, their other ventures. Right here we go with a clue. Ava, you'll find it in if this is where you've been. And Jenny Lee writes, so she can't make it out either. So what are they going to reject this time? I think I, th I think that's too obvious for the bin. It's, it's probably some like the holiday of a car. <laughs> See, when, when I, I used to try and play along with this at home. I used to try and work out what the clues are. I mean, I, I, I used to enjoy that aspect of it. It's, it was kind of like with the generation game. Kind of try and play along with that. Try and remember as many things on the, uh, on the conveyor belt at the end. And I always used to try and work out um, what the clues were. And I... Didn't have any success at all. I think, if, you know, if, if i gone there, I probably would have won the dustbin. They're rejecting the bottle. They're rejecting the bottle. Oh, oh I've, got, I've got a bad feeling about this. Right, what's Ted, what, have, what is Ted about to say? Oh, they rejected the three, two, one holiday. You fools. <laughs> I must admit, though, um, they could do a lot better with marketing the holidays. They have these rather grainy, scary looking still photos of. Um, yeah, I think they they rejected the holiday to Cologne and. And it looks like the sort of um, establishing shot from a really old grainy 1950s B movie, actually, all these photographs. They don't they don't make it look very enticing. But uh, yeah, Mick and Sue are looking pretty myth, but they, you know, what can you do? They're still they still got the dustbin to reject. Do they go home with that tonight? Who knows? So it's the final, uh, final bit of the uh, of the play, the James Bond play. Chris Emmett hasn't got a lot to do. I think by now, I, I, I don't think um, Chris Emmett and Mike Newman were really they, I, they weren't really involved in the um, in the action so much. I think Chris Emmett actually went on to work behind the scenes. He went on to write some of the uh, the scripts for the eighty one skits, and um, 
the squits and the skits. Try saying that three times fast. And also, you know, some of the jokes as well. But yeah, my, yeah, I don't think Mike Newman was um, really so much involved in it by uh, by this point. <laughs> Brian Coburn folding a very obviously uh, balsa wood chair or plastic chair. I'm not sure. Yeah, now is Don is still going to get his? Uh, <laughs> is he going <laughs> to? Has he finally met his match again against the uh, six foot seven Brian Coburn? No, it's Johnny Lee Wright that does for Brian Coburn. <laughs> oh, James Villey is nearly falling over Brian Coburn. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they could afford the retakes for this. Um, whether or not a James Bond movie would have worked with Don Estelle as the star, I don't know. I mean, but, you know, they had done Never Say Never Again the previous year, which was a bit um, unintentionally funny. And it's Rob, Robin Parkinson who gets the uh, who gets the girl, Jenny's character. And Don Estelle is left um, on his lonesome and a packing crate with something. I don't, I don't know. What's he doing there? Oh dear, yeah. I, I suspect, um, yeah, Monday audiences wouldn't take too kindly to referring to women as birds. You get the James Bond gets the bird, and he's got a turkey with. Oh dear, beautiful. <laughs> Bernard Matthews gag for those who know know about Bernard Matthews. Um, yeah. I'm, I, again, I'm so, you know some aspects of three, two, one, uh, probably weren't really past muster today, which which may be a reason why why Challenge TV um doesn't show it anymore. But um yeah I think um you know some um um tricky archive TV they do they do broadcast it with a warning on some streaming channels and on uh, on mainstream TV channels as well, I don't know. So oh Don Estelle's leaving a short. Oh Get it? Oh, mix coming down to his level. Change this for a stripe or an arc of different type. Now, what could that be? Oh, I, I think I know. I think I know. Now, are, are they going to reject that, or are they going to have? Are they going to work out what um, change the arc means, which uh, means rearrange it? I think. What are they going to keep? What are Mick and Sue going to keep? They've got three prizes left. One of those is the dustbin. And they can hear one of the other two again. The license and the passport. I do wonder about it because um, I think by this point, um, the prizes were more kind of conventional in the early days. Um, you could win things like, I think there's one where you could win a greyhound, which was bizarre. You get or sharing a racehorse or something, which was, which was crazy. 
but by the, by now you've got more you know kind of conventional prizes which um which for the time were actually uh, they rejected the passport what is what is it if you take port away you're less left with pass yeah hey they rejected dusty bin and they're delighted Actually, I, I would have thought. Oh no, D yeah, Dusty Bin came on. Actually, I talked all the way through that, and he was um, he was like kind of one of those um, one of like those jetpacks that James Bond used to have, and uh, and he actually took off in the air with some very visible wires. So we're now down to the crunch. They've got two prizes left. Either way, they're taking home a good prize, but how good is is up to them now? What are they going to reject? They've got short. Or, and I think they twigged on to the fact that if you rearrange arc, you get you get another word. So you've got that or you've got the other license, which which I think is a TV. Yeah, I wonder I wonder what I wonder if these contestants are still around. Mick and Sue. I mean they look like oh, I don't I don't know, late. 30s early 40s so they'll probably be been their 70s now I, I wonder if they um wonder if they're watching this because you can find it on the other tube of you I, I do think it's a sh you know i do think it's a shame that challenge tv don't actually repeat this or you know i, I think it's a shame if they actually don't make it you know available as a dvd or uh or a download i mean god knows they've got the uh, the technology to do this but uh yeah, I wonder how many of the contestants actually uh, still still with us today and uh, looking back on their younger selves, <laughs> doing their best uh, to win a great prize, uh, which they're, they're now rejecting um, a license. So I, I think they're rejecting a telly, a double O license. So what is it this time? What are they turning down? Yeah, these clues are, they're so convoluted. I, I just, <laughs> I, I can't make them out. I, I really can't. You know, how, how on earth do you get there? Oh, they won a James Bond, they rejected the James Bond video. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, no, they get a TV and a video recorder with it. Oh. Oh, I would have given anything for that in those days. Video recorders were like gold dust. Um, only only the really rich families had a video recorder in 1984. And I was really envious. Um, I thought, oh my God, what a video. Yeah, I mean, by, you know, by modern day standards, that looks pretty crude. But uh, back in the day, that, that looked pretty good, actually. Uh, they, they don't have a video recorder and uh, Ted Rogers go, is going, nah, 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 nah. And my voice is going, ah. So this is the prize they're taking home with uh, the Donestel short, the, uh, the, you know, the drink. So I think it's arc of a different kind. I, I think, um, yeah, I think it's the car. I, I think they've got the star prize. So how are we going to get to this?
arc of a different time. And change the stripes to sprites. The British Leyland Mini. So I, I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> Say it again. Oh my God. Oh, look at Mick. <laughs> he's, just, he's just given Ted a great big kiss on the cheek. Oh dear, Mickey. Oh, he's in tears. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's quite sweet. Oh, he's delighted. They're both delighted. Oh, that's, that's, that's a nice reaction. Um, yeah, not a nice color carver, I've got to say. Um, but you know, they seem happy with it. But I mean, you know, what, you know, you're not exactly going to turn, you know, turn your nose up at a car, which is apparently a limited edition. And, yeah, Jenny Lee Wright is back with lots of money. Oh, awkward kiss there from Jenny. Uh. <laughs> but you know what? I enjoyed that. Um, you know, there's, there's no real kind of, you know, sort of nastiness of elimination or, you know, like they have on modern-day TV programmes. I mean, it's it's just good, clean fun, really, I think. And that was 3-2-1. My word is my bond. I, yeah, it's, yeah, that was a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's unpretentious fun for the family, really. And uh, and I, I, th I think you could um, do a lot more of that these days, which... Um, you don't really seem to get. Here's the obligatory, obligatory uh, waving at the end, and uh, Mick still looks a bit tearful in his car. <laughs> yeah, I, I always used to enjoy seeing what prizes they could get. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you know, if, if they get a great big car, or, you know, not a great big car like that, it's a mini, for God's sake. Um, but to a kid, you know, it's, it's a great prize. And, um, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, a lot of fun. Oh, what's gone wrong? Somebody's laughing. I don't know. Who knows? But that was that was great fun. Really great fun. So anyway, this is um, Double O Ben Salia now signing off. Uh, hope to hear from you very soon. And in the meantime, it's goodbye from me. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Goodbye for now. <laughs>